0: Welcome you back to Alger Assembly of God. We welcome you to our study, to our series entitled Easter People. Easter people looking through the Word of God and looking at individuals who have interacted with Jesus throughout his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And we've looked at a number already. We've examined Nicodemus. We saw that Jesus welcomes our journey. Wherever you might be in your journey away from the, from the Lord, your journey to the Lord, he welcomes Our journey. We took a look at Pilate and learned that we are to choose Jesus above and beyond and over anything. Last time we looked at the thieves, we considered the various thieves on the cross and learned that it's never too late for God's grace. So some powerful things as we look at some of these individuals who have interacted with Jesus. Today we continue with yet another Easter person. And before we get to that individual, understand this, whether in the midst of maybe the pandemic that we faced as uh, these last couple of years, COVID and some of the things that continue or the many challenges of life, I'd venture to say at some point in time, you or I have allowed or have seen some doubt creep into our lives. Maybe you've wondered, where are you, God? Why don't you stop this? We, we wonder, we doubt about some of the things that we see. Know that many people go through doubt at some point in their life. At times, we might doubt whether God hears our prayers. At times, we might doubt, is God able to heal? Will God heal Many times we wonder why young children die. Or maybe sometimes we wonder why evil individuals may seem to succeed. We wonder why we go through great difficulties and challenges. But understand this. Our doubts will drive us back to the risen Savior. If you've got doubts, bring them to Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 20. So New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fourth book of the New Testament, one of the Gospels. We're going to discover a man who had a number of doubts. His name was Thomas. So in the balance of our time together, we're going to see how Jesus addressed the doubts and learn how you and I can handle them as well. Now in just a little bit as we get into the text of John chapter 20, it's going to refer to Thomas. Some of your Bibles or translations will refer to him as Didymus. Others will give the the translation or nickname of the twin. That is Thomas. But he's probably better known by that title, Doubting Thomas right? You've heard that. You've used that. Sometimes someone said, well, don't be such a doubting Thomas. It, it's become his nickname. How many of you have nicknames? How many of you have nicknames you would rather other people not use? Yeah. Some of you, it's, it's that family thing. Something came up. It was a little embarrassing. They gave you that title, that nickname, and you're like, no, no, no. It doesn't leave this room. Shouting Thomas isn't necessarily the greatest of all nicknames, but that's what's become his name, so to speak. Now, as you look through the Word of God, many times people in the Bible are linked to particular things. So let's do a, just a brief exercise. I'm going to shout out an individual from the Word of God, and I want you to shout out. Yes, shouts okay, speaks okay. If you want to whisper, it's all right, but we probably won't hear you. I want you to shout out what comes to mind when you hear this person's name because chances are what comes to your mind is what's going to come to the other person's mind. So are you ready? We're going to go to an Old Testament man by the name of Joseph. What comes to mind? Coat. Coat of many colors. You are reminded about the story of Joseph. Staying in the Old Testament, how about Jonah? What comes to mind? Jonah and the whale. I mean, it's from, from childhood, from little you know children in Sunday school, we hear about Joseph and his coat of many colors. Jonah and the whale. How about Noah? What comes to mind? Noah's ark, the flood. It's the, the animals two by two, right? How about staying in the Old Testament when you hear the name Samson, you think of? Hair. Hair. Strong, You know, a lot of different things that come. I heard Delilah. Yeah, Samson, Delilah. So all of those things, many people are linked to certain things. Some people are linked uh, maybe to particular deeds or things that they have done. For instance, in the New Testament, if I were to say John the... Not the denomination, but the act, right? Not John the Catholic, not John the Presbyterian, not John the Assemblies of God. He's called John the Baptist because he baptized. He baptized many individuals in water. And so uh, whether it's a thing, whether it's an action, a deed, all of these have titles. But when it comes to Thomas, he doubted. Now, there's several mentions of him, and in two of the other mentions as well here in the book of John, there was not doubt. There was actually some faith, but it's the passage of Scripture here in John chapter 20 where he gets that doubting Thomas nickname. Now, in a Peanuts comic strip, Charlie Brown is talking with Lucy as they walk home on the last day of school. Charlie Brown says to Lucy, Lucy, I got straight A's. Isn't that great? Lucy, in her typical fashion, shoots down poor Charlie Brown and says, I don't believe you, Charlie Brown. Unless you show me your report card, I cannot and will not believe you. So today we're going to be looking at a man who said some very similar things to Lucy in the Peanuts comic strip. He declared he would not believe until he saw some evidence. So today's truth or challenge is this, bring your doubts to Jesus. Bring your doubts to Jesus. So we're going to take a look, John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. We'll we'll walk through a handful of verses before we get to some thoughts and principles for us today. So, John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, it says, On the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Just stop right there. I mean, there was fear. If you were a disciple, if you were a follower of Jesus, if you knew something about Jesus, you knew what had taken place. You knew that Jesus had been arrested. You knew that Jesus had been crucified, he was buried, and so here's individuals, and now they're wondering, if I'm a follower of Jesus, is that very same thing going to happen to me? And so, understandably so, there was some fear here, and so they were meeting together, but were they meeting out in the open? Not quite. They were meeting behind locked doors. Jesus, the leader, the Savior, the shepherd, was crucified, and so the flock, in a sense, were somewhat scattered. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Verse 20, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and his side. Now, there's multiple Gospels in the New Testament that record the crucifixion. John's Gospel is the only one that mentions the wounds in his side. You could find that John 19, verses 33 to 35. So he records the act of the sword or spear into his side. And now in chapter 20, he records Jesus showing that. It says, They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now this word rendered breathed, it occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. This is the only place of this particular word. It's the same Greek verb that the Septuagint, it's the Greek Bible, the Greek translation of the Hebrew, same word used from Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 when God was creating the world and it said that he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils same verb same uh, interpretation there breathed he breathed on them and said receive the holy spirit verse 23 he says if you forgive anyone's sins they are forgiven if you do not forgive them they are not forgiven One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin. Again, depending on your Bible version or translation, it might be uh, Thomas, also known as Didymus, but that is that name or that nickname, Didymus, meaning twin. He was not with the others when Jesus came. So can you imagine? Here's all these disciples. Jesus shows up out of nowhere Having died, having been crucified, been buried in the tomb, he's resurrected. He shows up here, and he's showing them the wounds in his hands and in his side. But Thomas is not there. Now, a lot of speculation, a lot of interpretation from scholars as to why he was not there. Some would say maybe he had chosen to grieve alone. How many of you know in the loss of a loved one, people grieve alone? differently some people kind of uh uh, maybe pull away and other people need to feel like they're connected and so they kind of get better connected with people maybe maybe he was grieving in his own way the fact of the matter is he missed out he wasn't there jesus showed up and he's showing the scars and thomas wasn't there let me ask you have you ever missed out on something epic Maybe you had an invitation uh, to a particular sports game, or maybe you, uh, you had an invitation to go watch a particular movie or television show or go to you know, some shopping event, whatever it was, uh, with family, with friends, with co-workers, and they came back and told you all about what you missed. You ever had one of those situations? And there's that thought, man, I missed out. I mean, they're going on and on telling you how incredible that meal was at that restaurant. Telling you how that game came down to the very last shot, the very last batter, the the very last second, whatever it was. You're saying, I missed that. Here is Thomas. He missed out on Jesus as Jesus was there. Now, one person would say this, the encouragement, or should we say warning, is that the weeds of doubt often grow fast and strong in the soil of isolation. I like that quote. The weeds of doubt often grow fast and strong in the soil of isolation. We don't know for sure why he wasn't there, but we know he was not there. Being isolated, everybody else were gathered together, Jesus showed up, he was not there, and so now the weeds of doubt are able to grow The encouragement is this, our faith is cultivated as we fellowship and grow together with Jesus and together with other believers in Christ. So feed your faith, starve your doubts, let's gather together, let's worship together, let's grow together. So verse 25, it says, they told him, in other words, Thomas, they said, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, much like Lucy to Charlie Brown. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Number two, put my fingers into them. Number three, place my hand into the wound in his side. Now, he didn't say one, two, three, but there were three very specific things. He said, I'm not going to believe it until these things take place. Now, In the Greek, the statement here is a a grammatical emphasis. Not just they told him once, like they casually dropped it in conversation. Hey, you sort of missed out. The verb form here, it basically indicates that they repeatedly and emphatically continued to mention how they had seen the risen Lord. How many of you, you missed out on something, and you've got that friend, you've got that family member, you've got that coworker, and they let you know about it because it was so awesome, and they just thought it's funny that you missed out. And not only did they tell you once, they told you twice. And then they told you again, and then again, and for good measure, sometimes they were rubbing it in. Now, I don't think the disciples were rubbing it in but they were repeatedly and emphatically sharing. They're so excited. I mean, can you imagine you saw many of them with their own eyes there and saw Jesus crucified on the cross? And maybe they were not there, maybe not all of them, as Jesus was brought to the tomb, but they saw him die, they heard the stories, and now they're saying, we have seen Jesus. I mean, Thomas, you got to understand. And they're all relaying. Think about multiple disciples all sharing the same thing. So they continue to let them know this is how powerful and mighty it is. They made it their business to share the good news about Jesus with him. And that's really what you and I are to do to share the good news about Jesus with others who have not heard. Now, Thomas had spent time with Jesus, but he missed out on this occasion, right? So we are to do some of those same things. Understand this, though. No matter how passionately you share the good news, you cannot make someone else believe. Man, as much and as powerful as God has done a work in us... And there's a family member, there's a friend, there's a coworker who does not know Jesus. We can be passionate, we can be enthusiastic, we can share about Jesus, but we can't make someone respond. We can share and we can give them the opportunity. Thomas certainly had given up a lot over those last number of years to follow Jesus. And after the crucifixion and after the burial, it seemed like everything now was over. But now he's hearing, Jesus is alive. Jesus showed up. He showed us his hands and his side. I don't know where you might be today. Maybe you've got some questions when it comes to faith. Maybe you've got some doubts when it comes to God. I want to encourage you that God is big enough to handle your questions. He's big enough and strong enough to handle the doubts that you might have. And the encouragement is bring your doubts to Jesus. So as we continue in our text, these last number of verses, I want to encourage you with a, a handful of thoughts and principles. When we say bring your doubts to Jesus, first of all, I encourage you to be patient. Be patient. Right, right quick, how many of you would say you are awesome at patience? Exactly as I thought, no hands were raised. I mean, patience is something that we struggle with. So let's flip it. How many of you would say you struggle with being impatient at times? Oh, hands all across the place, right? I mean, when it says here in John chapter 20, verse 26, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. I mean, eight days later. For some of us, eight hours later is too long. Eight minutes later is too long. For some, maybe waiting eight seconds is just just unacceptable, right? We can be very impatient. How many of you are microwave starers? You put popcorn in the microwave, and even though it's really going to take two to three minutes, you're staring, you think your Superman X-ray vision is going to help that popcorn cook a little quicker. Microwave stares, or maybe you're reheating something, you've got leftovers, or you're putting something in the microwave. We're so thankful that a microwave can heat things up, not quite like that, but much quicker. We stare at that microwave. Or how about fast food? I mean, the concept of driving in your car, the convenience of driving in your car around a building and ordering some food and having your whole meal done in a few minutes is pretty incredible, if you think about it. Instead of going home, assembling all of your food and ingredients and cooking and preparing and getting that together, however long that might be, we can just drive around a vehicle, place an order in a few minutes, we've got dinner. Or lunch or breakfast how many of you let's be honest are impatient fast food drivers four minutes three minutes five minutes is just way too long how many of you, you've sat in a drive-through and you get agitated and irritable and you're wondering how much food did that car in front of me order they've been sitting there for a minute now now be honest how many of you, you know, if it's one of those digital signs, like as soon as that car pulls forward, you're driving forward, you're trying to see what they ordered, right? Nosy orders, I'm, I'm with you, like, $25 at McDonald's? What? I mean, so fast food, it is a blessing, and yet because we wait an extra 30 seconds or an extra minute, we can get rather Impatient. You think about connecting using uh, this little device to connect to somebody. Remember not too many years ago when if you wanted to call somebody, you had to wait till you got to your house to pick up your phone to call somebody to hope that they were at home by their phone? That wasn't too terribly long ago. I know to, to young people that's like ages ago and we're all, you know, just way out of it. Now you can simply use your cell phone at just about any place, any point in time, call somebody, no matter where they are at any point in time, and, and you've got instant access. And then how many of you, you still get frustrated. They didn't pick up. I texted them. They didn't text me back. I emailed them. They didn't email me back. You know, we want this instant communication. You think of television. Again, as a kid growing up, I mean, there were three channels, Right? ABC, CBS, NBC, and man, it was wild and incredible when Fox showed up. That, that made four. Four channels. Well, we never had satellite. We never had cable. We, we had four through-the-antenna kind of channels. For some, you remember what Saturday mornings were all about. Saturday mornings was the time to watch cartoons. I mean, when I had a friend over, I went to a friend's house. Man, Saturday morning, that's when the cartoons were. If you missed it, you missed it. I mean, before all of the streaming and before all of the internet, before all of that, your show was on once a week, and if you missed it, you missed it. Eventually, there would be a VCR, and eventually, there would be some other options. Today, even from your cell phone, you can just about, with any streaming app, pull up pretty much any show, any movie, at any point in time on your schedule. You don't have to plan your schedule to be home at 8 o'clock for a certain show or a certain movie. You watch it when you want to watch it, start it when you want to start it, stop it when you want to stop it. We're an impatient culture, but a technological culture. So here's Thomas, and he's hearing everything from his disciples, these, these other individuals, and they're talking all about how Jesus had shown up. He'd, he'd shown his hands and his side. And it's eight days later. Can you imagine what was going through his mind over eight days? How, how maybe on edge or excited or Anticipatory, he was. No doubt he grew a, a little bit impatient and maybe had some doubts to God's presence, the presence of Jesus Christ. His son. He said, Unless I see it and place my hands in his hands and his side, I, I'm just not going to believe. Minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day, still know Jesus, and he's probably growing a little bit impatient. I mean, many of you had raised your hand, and you said with just maybe a minute or two, you might be impatient in a fast food line, waiting eight days for an answer. Many times, you and I can get discouraged. Many times, we might doubt God's presence. We get afraid, and and maybe we doubt God's provision. Can God or will God come through in this situation? Maybe God doesn't meet our expectations and and we wonder, God, are you still there? Maybe you've had a prayer like that. You look up in reality or figuratively and you say, God, I, I don't see anything. Nothing's happening. I don't feel anything. And there's doubt that creeps in. God doesn't heal, God doesn't provide. Finances are a struggle. Physical bodies are a challenge. Relationships, whatever the case might be, something happens after another, and we wonder or we doubt, is God in in charge? You look at the the difficulties in our world. It's not too hard to do. Whether it's in our immediate area, across our state, our nation, or the world, there's a lot of difficulties, a lot of not-so-good things that happen. Many people take a look at that, and it fuels the doubt, saying, I wonder, I doubt, is God real? Know this, Jesus understands our doubts. He invites us to come take a look and to examine the evidence. I want to encourage you, take a look. Take a look at the history of God working in your heart and in your life and in your situation. I would venture to say, as you take an honest look back, You'll see the faithfulness of God, His power, His presence, His provision, His healing, His mercy. God has been faithful, and God will continue to be faithful. Know that you can bring your doubts, your needs, your hopes and fears to Jesus. But I encourage you to be patient. That's not to say that God will always respond within eight days wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, in some cases, he responds quicker. Maybe you've prayed, and it seems like that very next day, your answer comes. But as well, sometimes we've prayed about things. We've wrestled with things. Days, weeks, months, years, maybe even decades. And we're still waiting to see that answer. What I encourage you to do is bring those needs, requests, doubts to Jesus, And be patient. Secondly, receive peace. Again, in verse 26, it says the doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. How powerful would that be? Jesus shows up and he says, peace be with you. Know this, peace is possible when Jesus is with you. I mean, we seek peace. Uh, People are, are seeking and searching for peace in just about anything and everything. But it's possible only with Jesus. We try to find peace. We try to seek peace in everything but Jesus. People try to find peace by the bottle, by alcohol, by drugs, by sex, by money, by possessions, by titles, by relationships. Life is empty, and so we try to fill it and get peace with all of these other things. Maybe people experience peace for a while, but peace does not last. You seek out any of those things, you search out any of those other options, and you'll discover that peace does not last. Peace is truly only possible when Jesus is with you. Invite him into your life and experience his peace. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that scripture. Because even in situations where it seems like there should be no peace, he provides peace. And it's not just a barely kind of get-by kind of peace, right? It says it's a peace which passes all understanding. You can't comprehend, you can't believe why you'd experience peace like this in the midst of what you're facing. He's able to do that. He's able to provide that peace for you. Peace that passes all understanding. So bring your doubts to Jesus. When you do, be patient. Receive peace. Thirdly, I want to encourage you to acknowledge Jesus. Take a look at verse 27 and 8. Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Check out verse 28. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. This was powerful. Jesus knew the exact words. Jesus knew the exact doubts that Thomas had. Do you recall? Back in verse 25, there were three demands. I won't believe unless I what? See it? Place my fingers, place my hand in the wound on his side. There were three specific things. I won't believe unless I do these three things. What did Jesus then say? He said, put your finger here, look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound into my side. And then he adds a fourth one. He says simply, believe. Believe. Jesus knew what he had asked for. Jesus knew what he was wrestling with and struggling with. Much as we heard even earlier in our worship time together, Jesus knows you. He knows your name. He knows your fears. He knows your doubts. He knows what you wrestle with and struggle with. He knows where you struggle and stumble. And in response, here, he acknowledged Jesus. He made this highest possible confession of faith to Jesus. Now, what's powerful, I think, is he personalized it. He didn't just say, Wow, you are a God. He didn't say, Wow, you're a Lord. Pretty neat. He made it personal. My Lord. My God, he exclaimed. He's the first person in Scripture here to call Jesus God, to publicly acknowledge his deity. He's not just a man. He is the Son of God. We can seek after Jesus, receive peace from him, but then we're to acknowledge who he is. For some, maybe you've heard a lot about Jesus or maybe you've heard bits and pieces over the years and the encouragement is to respond to him, to acknowledge who he is. Lord, Savior died upon the cross for you and for me. We can receive his peace and we respond by acknowledging him. And then finally, believe in Jesus. Verse 29, Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. You see, doubt comes from, in a sense, the root word of two minds. It's undecided between two things. Literally, it means to have to choose between two things. And so we kind of doubt. We're not sure about this. We're not sure about that. We wrestle and we doubt. See, when we have faith, we've got one mind. When we reject Jesus, we have one mind. But we wrestle and we wonder and we struggle with that doubt's kind of being torn between the two accepting or rejecting Thomas's response here teaches us faith is a choice it's a personal decision Jesus showed him Jesus literally word for word he explained everything about his question but it was up to Thomas then to make that decision and believe listen Your family members, great as a mother or father or grandparent or co-worker or classmate might be, their faith in God is not what saves you. You've got to make a personal decision. You've got to make a personal declaration. You must believe in Jesus yourself. Now, Thomas believed. He saw the marks on his body. He did exactly what Jesus said. Hey, see, look, place, touch. And He responded to Jesus. But from now on, it's not as if every single time somebody doubts that Jesus shows up in the flesh for us to see and touch and place our hands in. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith. Read about the African impala, the animal that can jump to a height of over 10 feet and cover a distance greater than 30 feet. Yet, it's said that these magnificent creatures can be kept in an enclosure in any zoo simply with a three foot wall. How? Because these animals will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will land. They can't see where their feet will land. Don't miss your opportunity to turn to and to trust in Jesus because of what you cannot see. There's faith and trust in Jesus. Stories told about a fire that broke out in a family's home. The father led his wife and kids down the stairs and out of the house, but it seemed that his young son was frightened by the flames. And he turned back and he hid in his room. As the flames grew, the father stood outside his son's window and called for him to jump. But the boy refused, claiming that he could not see his father through the smoke. And his father called out to him, Trust me, son, and jump. You cannot see me, but I can see you it's that encouragement it's that reminder spiritually today that we can put our trust in we can put our faith in jesus whether we have physically seen him work we can trust in and receive by faith he can see you and i bring your doubts to jesus understand be patient it might not be an immediate thing but know that Jesus desires to help and to show and to answer those doubts and then provide peace. You and I can receive it in our hearts and in our lives. When we receive his peace, we acknowledge him. We can put him first in our hearts and in our lives and trust and believe in Jesus.